Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings, Podcast 96. This week I have a bit of art history, as well as quite a bit of news rambling. And that's pretty much it. Not really a whole lot going on for me in terms of games. So hopefully, you will enjoy this slightly different show. If you've ever been playing a game, particularly an MMOG, you may have wondered what is up with all of the half-naked women. The armor typically doesn't cover everything. They often have bare midriff, and their legs, particularly, you know, their thigh area is unarmored. And often, you know, their upper arms and sort of neck area will also be unarmored. It seems like about every five years this will kind of come up on a forum I'm on or, you know, somebody will ask. And so in the past I have answered the question and I thought, you know, maybe my people who listen to the podcast might also want to know. For this we actually have to kind of go back a bit into sort of art history. And it all kind of starts with two men. One is Frank Frazetta, and the other is Boris Vallejo. Boris Vallejo is about 10 years younger, but they sort of did their art in kind of the same time period in history, and they both followed a a sort of very similar path. But Frank Frazetta got his start basically in the 1950s in comic strips. He did Buck Rogers, and in the mid to late 60s, he did a lot of work for the Conan books doing the cover art. Around that same time period, he also did the John Carter of Mars series, which some of you may know from the recent Disney film, John Carter of Mars, I believe it was called, which I guess according to the true book fanatics was not a very good movie, because I guess the movie is actually two different books kind of taken apart and smushed together. I don't know, I thought it was kind of cool. I wouldn't mind seeing another one. He was also famous for doing the Fire and Ice books in the 80s, and sadly he died fairly recently in 2010 at the age of 82. So he wasn't terribly young, so that was very good. He lived a long and presumably happy life. Boris Vallejo had sort of a similar history. Around the same time period that Frank Frazetta was doing the cover books, he also did a lot of the Conan books, as well as the Doc Savage books. He did dozens of science fiction book covers, And he is still alive today at the age of 72. But back in the 60s and 70s, when they did all of their, you know, the bulk of their work, as it were, sort of all of society embraced their, you know, their art and their style as kind of the definition of what fantasy and science fiction should look like. You know, that sort of beefy, hunky, barbarian guy standing over the mostly naked slave girl. You know, for science fiction, people with ray guns and super skin-tight outfits. You know, things like that became sort of the norm and accepted as what is defined as fantasy and science fiction art. So as more and more time went on, as those images 
filtered more and more into mainstream and became more and more popular, more and more people grew up, you know, with at least a subconscious sort of acknowledgement that, yes, this is fantasy and science fiction art, and this is what it looks like. The men are tough-looking and, you know, always very cool and usually portrayed as, you know, the main piece in the artwork right up front. If it's, you know, subject of a woman, she may be, you know, submissive and mostly naked as, you know, a slave. Or if she is, you know, standing strong and, you know, the main piece of the artwork, she is, you know, mostly naked. And so this became, you know, more and more prevalent as the style and more and more artists who came up, you know, after them copied sort of that style. And as gaming started coming around, you know, in the 80s, this sort of impression was, you know, still around. And so people were starting to put, you know, that kind of imagery into gaming. And, you know, over the years, the games have changed and evolved, but that sort of style has still been there. Maybe not quite to the extent that it was, you know, back in the 60s, but it certainly is still very prevalent today. If you look at MMOGs in particular, you know, the guy armor is typically pretty boring and bland looking, whereas female armor, sexy or not, is typically very cool looking, very intricate, very form-fitting, I guess you could say. So even today, you know, that impression of this is what a guy should look like, this is what a girl should look like, is still kind of based on that original bulk of artwork put out by these two guys who were, you know, the guys for fantasy and science fiction artwork. A lot of foreign game developers are still kind of sticking to this formula and have gotten kind of even more sexy in some ways for the female characters. There is, though, kind of finally a sort of backlash against it. There isn't as much of a backlash in video gaming quite yet as there is in comics. Comics is where the biggest push against this old stereotype is starting to come up. They're starting to be like, hey, you know, people wouldn't really stand like that. That's ridiculous. And why has she got this costume that's, you know, mostly naked? That doesn't make any sense. So there's quite a bit of, you know, backlash and movement against that style in comics. And it's starting now, I think, to start to filter into video games. And so we're probably going to see a lot of toning down pretty soon. But if you have ever wondered why the female characters are half or mostly naked compared to, you know, the male characters, particularly things like, you know, heavy armor classes like, you know, paladins or warriors, you know, they're still kind of mostly naked. And so if you have ever wondered, this bit of art history will explain why. Personally, I kind of really like this style. I actually like you know, women to look nice, and oftentimes in a game I will actually play a female character because they look so much nicer than the guy characters. You know, as I said in recent history, guy characters tend to be really boring looking. Armor tends to look like, you know, metal paper bag over their body, and it's not very interesting to look at. Whereas female armor tends to be, you know, a lot more intricate. You know, there's more detailing in terms of maybe it has some runes, or maybe there's a bit of color here and there. But, you know, that's just my personal opinion. I actually have nothing wrong with, you know, the sexy look, as it were. But I do think that the sexy look should be optional. And I think it should be shared over both men and women. So, you know, if a guy does want to look like that, you know, sort of old Conan-ish kind of guy where he's got just 
you know, half a breastplate on and then his chest is kind of sticking out and he's looking all macho. You know, if a guy wants to do that, he should be able to do that. And if there is a, you know, woman playing a female character or a guy playing a female character and you want to look sexy or not look sexy, you know, again, that should be an option of the player to toggle that or maybe, you know, design it so that the plate mail layer, you know, looks sexy and maybe it does have that bare drift and bare thighs and bare upper arms, but maybe there's an under layer you can wear, which, you know, if you, if you keep it bare, you know, that there would be nothing there. Or you can put on like a, a shirt or whatever, under layer clothing, and then the under layer clothing would look, you know, however they design it, you know, maybe chain mail or maybe other plate mail, you know, to have that stuff that you don't want showing covered up or to have it showing if you want it to show. So that is a bit of fact and a bit of my rambling on my opinions about, you know, the current status of the nakedness. So there's a bit of news, and I have some rambling about it, so I think I will make it its own section. I may or may not make the news their own section, you know, in the future, depending on how much news I have. As I've said before, you know, I would prefer to have more news than not, but because my budget is so limited because I can only buy a game, you know, every few months, I don't really pay attention to as much of the games as I could. I think I've said before I would like to try and be better at that. And, you know, I, I will still try and be better at that in the future. Because there are some things that have kind of come up and launched and, you know, they snuck past me because I wasn't quite paying attention to them. Because I couldn't, you know, afford them or whatnot. So I'll try and be better about uh, making more notes about that in the future. So, you know, people can get more info on that if they are interested. So to start it off, um, this time I have news about several things. First is the PlayStation 4 announcement that happened on the 20th, which was just last night for me. There isn't a whole lot of news about it. There are some specs and there are some prices, but there apparently were not actually any units to actually show. I kind of came into the stream a little bit later, so I heard that they didn't have anything to actually show. I know for the part of the stream I saw, they didn't actually show the unit. I guess they just have developer kits right now. And apparently, the PlayStation 4 isn't even going to launch until November. So it's like, why are you talking about it and showing us stuff when you're not going to have an actual product for another eight or nine months? That doesn't even make any sense. The only reason I can think of that they did it was to try and, you know, sort of get the jump in terms of, hey, our thing is coolest and awesomest and it's going to come out and kind of, you know, distract from the the Xbox you know, 720 if they call it that, announcement that is, you know, undoubtedly going to come soon. Personally, I think it was kind of a, a big waste of time for them. I mean, they didn't really show us anything we hadn't seen before, and they could have very easily sent, you know, a teaser video for the stuff we hadn't seen and said, hey, we're working on PlayStation 4, here's some of the cool stuff we can do with it, 
you know, I don't think they had to go to a big press event kind of thing. I think it just made a big fuss over pretty much nothing because it's going to come out so long in the future. It's like people are going to forget. But one of the cool things they did was they could stream any PlayStation 4 game to the Vita, which I thought was kind of cool. I mean, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of people that actually have both of those units. And there's probably not going to be a lot of call for it. But it seemed to be like, you know, that's the same kind of thing that NVIDIA is trying to do with their shield, you know, with PC games. So that seemed kind of cool. I do think they wanted to originally do that with the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation Portable. But I don't think it ever came to pass. I don't know why, but I I remember it was in the works and it never actually happened. So that seems kind of odd. I guess maybe they just didn't have the power to do it back then. But that seems kind of cool. NVIDIA has also released news about a new graphics chip, which is called the GTX Titan. It is now their most powerful single chip, and it's actually the most powerful graphics chip on either side, NVIDIA or AMD. In terms of specs, it is basically 50% more stuff than the GTX 680, you know, shaders and computational power and all that. But it costs twice as much. It's theoretically priced at 1000 bucks, and it's going to come out. I saw a thing that said they weren't expecting shipment until end of March, but it was supposed to be available now. I suppose it, it kind of really doesn't matter due to the pricing. The most interesting thing about it is they have redesigned the cooler in a way that it is good for small form factor systems that can't breathe. Because I guess instead of pulling the air in one way, it's pulling it through the outer port, you know, that port that sticks out the side of the system. So it's pulling air from outside of the system box, you know, into the cooler instead of, I guess, pulling it from inside of the PC case and pushing it out of that port. You know, it's doing it the opposite way. But at a thousand bucks, I mean, that seems really kind of oddly priced. I mean, small form factor system. Yeah, you know, you don't want to sacrifice power. But you're also typically talking about something that's limited in terms of, you know, how much CPU and RAM, you know, raw power it can get. So you're talking about a system that's kind of mid-range anyways. So I don't see why they're going for something that's such, you know, an over-the-top, extremely powerful graphics chip. It just doesn't seem to make much sense to me. Another advantage with the GTX Titan is that it has really massive computational power in terms of, you know, thinking. Not not graphical rendering, but thinking rendering. So another kind of person it would be good for is, you know, people doing 3D rendering. Like, you know, using it for, I don't know, um like movie compression kind of stuff or maybe put it into a server architecture and use it for computational number crunching kind of stuff. So again, that seems kind of odd. It, it seems like not something that mainstream gamers would want. It seems like something that, you know, just a very, very small percentage of them might want the computational power. So while it is a new super powerful graphics chip, due to the price, I really don't see it being something gamers would be interested in or really want, you know, unless they have sort of a, a no money limit build and they want to build something really small and then, you know, they might want to squeeze it into a small form factor case or something. Or, you know, they have so much money it doesn't really matter and they want to run, you know, triple GTX Titans and have just, you know, the most redonkulously powerful system out there. But for the average gamer, you know, for the price, 
you can probably find two GTX 680s get a bit more power in terms of, you know, game frame rate rendering and still be a little bit cheaper. So I I don't quite see why, you know, that would be a better option, you know, outside of the fact that, you know, dual graphics card isn't, you know, the most perfect thing out there. But if you're trying to get, you know, the best performance per dollar, a dual GTX 680 is going to give you a better bang for the buck, as it were. So the Titan may or may not appear on my site and in my recommendations. If it dropped down to like the 750 range, I probably would put it in the high-end builds. But for the amount of power and, you know, cost, it's, it's just not a good ratio right now. In recent news, Bungie has announced their new project called Destiny. It is targeting sort of a 10-year lifespan. So that's pretty interesting in and of itself that they're planning on having this world and building content for this world for 10 years. Even more so, it's pretty much implied that it's going to be just that one game. It's going to be persistent online. So when you, you know, plug in and and start the game, it will connect to the current world that is there. They have said that the world will change and adapt depending on what the critters in the world are doing. So that kind of implies, you know, a structure where there are different, I guess you could call them empires. And, you know, the empires will move around and change which worlds are occupied and which worlds are, you know, friendly or safe and which are dangerous. So that seems very cool and interesting. One thing that has also been kind of implied is that it's going to be for console only. The only announcement they've made so far about which systems it's out for sure are the PlayStation 3 and 4 at the PlayStation 4 announcement last night. It's kind of been stated that it's going to be out for the next generation Xbox and possibly the 360. Since they are targeting the PlayStation 3 and 4, the 360 and whatever the next Xbox is called, you know, wouldn't surprise me. They have kind of implied that it's not going to be out for PC, which seems kind of strange that they would ignore PC. My only guess is maybe they don't want to deal with, you know, driver conflicts and different kind of architecture in PC. You know, with only four systems potentially, and I'm sure, you know, their coding is probably similar between Xbox and and PlayStation. You know, they probably aren't that different from PlayStation 3 to 4, as example. They might not want to deal with, you know, the 11 billion different kinds of graphics cards and motherboards and all that kind of stuff that PC can have. Maybe there's complicated, you know, coding for that because even with the same hardware, you know, in the system, they might have different drivers and who knows what kind of conflicts that could bring up. Maybe that's what they're trying to avoid. I don't know. It makes me sad to think that they are doing that. And console users do vastly outnumber PC players. But, you know, it's just like extra sad for me right now because, you know, if it does come out in a year or two, you know, it is entirely possible that I will still be homeless and only have access to my PC. And then, you know, that's something I'm really looking forward to that, you know, yet again, I can't play because it's system limited and I don't have access to that system. But it is a sci-fi shooter and it is being called a shared shooter. So it's not multiplayer in the strictest sense of where you find a group and, you know, there's always people around you. I think what it sounds like it's going to do is that if you enter say, the dead city, and there are three other people that are also in the dead city, it might hook you all up and put you into a group, you know, that is not the, 
I guess you could say traditional kind of group where you get, you know, the players' health and stuff on the screen, you know, it would be you're all in that area, but you're all still basically playing a single player game. But, you know, there's live players also in your area near you. So that could be very interesting. My concern with that, though, you know, being always persistent online is, you know, it shouldn't be an issue, but I would be concerned, you know, what about lag? What about loading times? You know, I'm sure it's like, you know, it wouldn't really matter. People would fade in and, and then it'd be like, oh, hey, there's another player here. So it wouldn't really matter, you know, if they load slower than you. But it does kind of, you know, concern me about, you know, how are they going to handle load times if you're loading into this area? You know, how much of the area are you going to get to experience before it gets to, you know, a load screen or, you know, a load pause, you know, and how are they going to handle that? So I don't know. I'm sure we will learn much more about that in the future. I would guess it's at least a year away before it's going to launch. They have a lot of cool artwork in some gameplay, but it, it's only a few seconds of gameplay here and there. So, you know, they probably just put that together for presentation purposes. So I would guess it's at least a year away from launch. So I'll probably talk about it again, you know, as we get closer to launch. But, you know, I'm very excited about it. It looks very cool. I would be a lot more excited about it, you know, if I was in a home and I had my PlayStation 3 and, you know, maybe had money to consider a PlayStation 4. I don't think I'd get it. Um, right away, because I'm guessing the PlayStation 4 probably won't have all that many games for it, you know, within the first year, maybe year and a half, that really push the system and are like, yes, I really need to play this game right now. And I'm sure there'll be one or two at launch. But the PlayStation 3 had kind of a, I guess you could call it lag time after launch before there were a lot of cool games. And, you know, typically that happens with consoles. So honestly, I I really don't think it would be a big deal to wait until a year after PlayStation 4 launched, you know, to get all the cool games you want. But I guess, you know, that too we will also see. And there's, you know, plenty of time before it even comes out to uh, talk about that, let alone, you know, do you want to wait or pick it up right at launch. The last bit of news I have, the Tomb Raider is due out on March 5th, and that's pretty much for every system, you know, both consoles and PC. The next beta weekend for Neverwinter is, I believe, on the 8th. So depending when you listen to this, it's a day shy of two weeks after this podcast is set to come out. So, you know, two weeks or less, depending. God of War Ascension for the PlayStation 3 is due out on March 12th. So that's coming up pretty soon. And also on March 8th, Oz is coming out from Disney which is a movie about, you know, The Wizard of Oz, which looks very cool. Very excited to check that out. Looks very cool in sort of an old-school fantasy kind of way, I guess. It's not really science fiction. But those are things you might want to keep an eye out for. Well, I was 21. It was a very good year. very good year for city girls who lived up the stair with perfumed hair that came undone when I was 21. I guess that is it for this week's ramblings. 
no donations to speak of. Not really a whole lot going on for me lately. I've been really kind of super sad lately. Because it seems like, you know, everywhere I look, there's people doing okay. And there's people, you know, succeeding in terms of, you know, being game reporter type people like me. And it's like, I don't know, I just don't feel like I'm getting a whole lot of recognition or like a whole lot of people really care. So I've just been super sensitive and super sad lately about kind of everything and that, you know, in particular. And it feels like, you know, I've been homeless and things have been unchanging so long that, you know, I'm I'm maybe doomed to be where I am and, you know, constantly losing position and just that, you know, I won't ever recover. So I've been very sad and depressed lately and it has been, you know, very difficult to try and stay happy, particularly since I had, you know, that 175 I had to spend on the tires and then, you know, just recently, just a few months after that, I had to spend 175 more on tires. You know, that's pretty much my whole budget for a year, just about. I do still have a couple hundred in savings, so I guess I'm okay if something terrible happens. But it's not like, you know, I have a lot of games on my budget. I've got like two, maybe three, I think. So things are very sad, and my outlook for the future is uh, not terribly bright. But hopefully all you listeners are doing well and, you know, not suffering the sad times I am suffering. And maybe, you know, this was entertaining or interesting to you. And hopefully I will see everybody next time. Okay, thanks. Bye. It's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to and I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now. I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned. Welcome to Rabbit's Nature Show. This week, geese. Stand by to receive our transmission. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbitdotcom. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space. And be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's ramblings is copyright 2013 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.